Peaks of light have shown on the 2017-18 Boston Celtics campaign as the NBA has released the schedule for all teams. Today is Sunday, August 20th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry A. Trussell. The Celts themselves are in the spotlight as much as any entity this season. Over 30 games to be broadcasted to not just the locals, but nationally and worldwide. Attached with a small fee, of course. Here at CLNS Media, though, it's power to the people. Free of charge. It's episode number 223 of Celtics Beat with the legendary play-by-play voice of the team, Mike Gorman. Five afternoon home games? Five. Well, Sundays mostly, right? Yeah, Sundays, the usual Super Bowl Sunday. I think that's the one I'm pegging. I think that'll be the first game I attend. Super Bowl Sunday, poor Portland, 12 noon. So that's like the wee hours of the morning for them. We'll see how up for it they're, they're at that game. 12 noon, yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. Let's see here, 1 o'clock Phoenix. Then a couple 3.30s. But other than that, I think I see two 1 o'clock home games. Yeah, Phoenix and Orlando. And then a 12 noon game, and then everything is there's a, then there's a few other 3:30s that are nationally televised on ABC. Uh, yeah, we were getting further and further away from those after those high game six of the '86 Finals was a high noon start. Yeah, yeah. Is there a game that you're most looking forward to? All the Cleveland games will get taken from us, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to LA the Lakers because I want to see ball play. Um, and I'm looking forward to Philly to see what the the kid out of Washington, see how good he actually is. Um, and we're going to see Philly early because we see him twice in the preseason. So we'll have a pretty good idea of what he's all about. Um, my my biggest concern is, 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 is mostly the fact that everywhere I go uh, this summer, everybody's really, really enthused about the additions the Celtics have made and say how much better the Celtics are going to be. And I, I have to keep reminding people, this team went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So... Basically, what you're saying, if they have to be that much better this year, nothing short of the NBA Finals will be good enough. Um, and, and I think that's a lot of pressure to put on this group this early. They've improved every single year, though. Just a natural progression for them to make the NBA Finals. You go from 24 wins to 40 wins to the 48 wins to 53 wins, the Eastern Conference yeah. Finals. They have improved every year. So it'll be NBA yeah. Finals yeah. next year. And then if, it, if we go on schedule, it's a championship two years from now. Well, that that would be that would be good. I certainly would be uh, applaud that and love to be a part of that. Uh, again, I think there's a lot of new players. It could be as many as six new faces on this roster. So um, it takes a while for guys to get to learn each other, to play with each other. Um, how are uh, Isaiah and Hayward going to play with each other? Where does Horford fit into the mix now? All of a sudden, is he not the is he the number three guy? Um, so I, I think there are a lot of questions to be answered for this team. Um, I'm sure Brad will figure them out pretty quickly. Um, but, again, I think uh, there's an interesting mix of egos now on this team, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We know, and we are officially here with Celtics voice Mike Gorman here on episode number 223 of Celtics Beat, presented by Audible. Mike, we're going to definitely get into that a little later in the show. I do want to stick on the schedule, as that is the latest news that comes out, and that is news here on the 20th of August, no less. This, I think, is the other angle of the schedule. 
beginning much earlier in the regular season now, middle of October. It used to be sometimes you wouldn't even get a game until the first week in November, if I recall correctly, going all the way back to 2008, which that seems to be fresh in my mind. I did the 10-year anniversary of the 2008 championship team with Nick Gelso on last week's show, and I specifically remember Friday, November 2nd was tip-off. Now you're tipping off what is the date? Yes, the uh, 17th. October 17th, right? In Cleveland. Less back-to-backs this year. There's 14 back-to-backs, which I'm looking at the schedule like I'm a picture person, Mike. I can't really look at the list and everything. I got the PDF in front of me. And I yeah. look at the schedule and it still sees, oh, it still looks like there's a ton of games like all over the schedule. That's because there they're are 82. Are you happy with the earlier start to stretch things out a little bit, a little lengthier of an all-star break? As a matter of fact, I mean, they go from February 15th until 23rd before they play a game. So plenty of time mm-hmm. for you to get vacation. Personally, how happy are you? <laughs> you with the schedule in terms of that will handle your well-being well i think i think there was a need to make the changes that they made uh too too many four games and five nights on the road would pop up um just too many games that you knew going in whether you were uh, the celtics were the team that was playing the fourth game in five nights or the third game in in four nights on the road um you knew that just the legs weren't going to be there the effort wasn't going to be there and it wasn't anybody just dogging it it was just Again, the result of three days of travel, late-night travel, checking into hotels at 3 or 4 in the morning, it eventually catches up with you. So I think the NBA made a really good move by adding two weeks to the time span that the the season would go and eliminating a lot of these problems. Again, I'm looking at the PDF of the schedule myself right now, and um, there are a lot of empty spaces. Right in January, when the Celtics go play that game over in London, they have a long stretch around that off, too. So um, I I think it's good. I think it's good. I think fans will see a better quality of play more consistently. Um, I think in the long run, it'll help players' careers. Uh, I think LeBron James, I'm pretty sure, was the instigator for all this, and uh, I think he should be a for it, frankly. Kevin Durant, I think, too. But, Mike, we asked specifically how you're going to feel. Because, I mean, you oh, told me, yeah, fine. your game's going to really raise to astronomical proportions then. Well, <laughs> let's hope so. Um, yeah, I... I'm looking forward to it. You know, we made a change with our charter system last year. We we, we fly on a a bigger, more comfortable plane, Um, and and, uh, it's uh, Delta, I believe, is the the parent of it all. So we've we've got pilots that when you walk off the plane, there are guys who are in in their 50s as opposed to the previous charter group we had where the pilots were in their 20s. Um, I think the comfort level for everybody is a lot higher with the switch to, uh, to NBA Air, as they call it. Um, so, yeah, nobody needs to worry about my life or, or my health. I, I got a good deal. Uh, you know, for 30 years, 30-plus 30 years now, I've been uh, sitting beside one of my best friends talking about a basketball game for two and a half hours and getting paid for it. So I got no complaints. Yeah, we're getting up on 35 now, right? Wasn't 84 the first year? So was it this No, actually, actually, we were right around 37. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Wow. I should punish myself for that. We've actually had this conversation privately. Not sure that we should share it on air. I, I, I know uh, we, I've had it on air with Jackie Mack. Our, you know, a frequent game which mentally feels like a snoozer for everyone watching. Now, probably not now because the Celtics are really a relevant team, but I specifically remember this at the back end of the Garnett years. And I think this is when I, you know, I had Jackie Mack on the show. It was like 2013. Celtics were... Good, but not great. And, I mean, there were games like you'd go to, like, Detroit, and it seems like there's 500 people there on a Saturday night. It was a back-to-back, no less. They probably just played a Friday home game. 
Mm-hmm. And it was painful to watch those games, let alone I, I know it was painful to, to be there. I know you're like, oh, it's great to have us with us, up, up, up. But it was, t- I, I, it was tough, those games. It was tough for me watching it, especially when it's like, it feels like I'm only one of 12 people watching this game right now. Yeah, no, there there, there are some bad nights. There have been some bad nights. I think, again, a lot of those are going to be eliminated now because um, uh, the, the players have gotten at. what they wanted. They realize right. they got to win with the extension of the uh, of the season. Um, yeah, I think we'll see more quality basketball than we have in the past, and I think you'll you'll see teams also fresher when it comes to playoff time. There won't be this need down the stretch for guys to be taking uh, time off. 25 nationally televised games too it increases if you go to if you count NBA TV which means it's over 30 plus but I don't think I guess that counts for you because technically you'll still be doing those games do you know roughly how many games you'll be doing here in mid-August I mean we yeah just... we'll be, we'll do 70 games we'll, we'll do we'll do the four preseason games and then we'll do 70 of the 82 uh, again the obvious ones are the Sundays you see at 3.30 and the Thursday nights Thursday nights um, but and then the Saturday night is, as well sorry go ahead 12 is the maximum number of games that can be taken away from uh, CSN and become exclusives and um, they will use that, that 12 number uh, to its fullest extent um, so we'll do 70 of the 82 that's what it breaks down to we, we won't be in Cleveland opening night um, uh, Abby may be there Scal may be there to do some sideline stuff but um, we obviously can't televise opening night, so Tommy and I's first game will be Milwaukee the next night. Yeah, that's actually that's it's funny. I was ready to make a crack about Milwaukee when I was referencing, uh, you know, those those boring Saturday night games on a back to back, and it always seems like this. There are many times if you can go back to the Patino years, it always seemed like they played Milwaukee like ten times a year on a Saturday night on a back to back. Can't really make the, yeah, it was all it was unbelievable. And those were the excruciating games I was referencing to. Actually, not going to be the case this year because Milwaukee almost surely seems like uh, going to be a dangerous team. So they have the 20- that's a tough back to back for this. Oh, brutal. Obviously, opening in Cleveland and then come back and face Milwaukee the next night. And it was um, always their house that's difficult. Of yeah. Got to take a brief pause in the action in our interview with Celtics voice Mike Gorman to talk about Audible. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. They have over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from, including the memoirs of CLNS's very own Bob Ryan, Scribe, My Life in Sports. Mr. Ryan is the host of Bob Ryan's Boston Podcast, available on the CLNS Media Network mobile app. And because of your loyalty to podcasts such as these, you can claim Scribe or any other of Audible's wide variety for free and get a free 30-day trial by going to audible.com slash Celticspeed. That's audible.com slash Celticspeed. Well, I think they've done a great job of balancing young and old. Um, and so for a long-term, uh, if you're a long-term Celtic fan like we all are, um, the future looks very bright for quite a long period of time. It's not like they just gambled everything for one season and have a short window. Um, the Celtics have got a wide open window now with the draft picks they still have coming and the additions they've made. The, the biggest concern, um, and I mentioned this earlier when you and I were talking, um, my biggest concern going into all this is, is the number of new faces, the adjustments that has, have to be made, um, 
you know, as you go down the stretch, who, who, who's your go-to guy down the stretch? Is Hayward become your go-to guy right away by, because of who he is and, and his signing? Is Isaiah still the go-to guy? Um, is Al Horford suddenly now your third option? Um, I think all these things need to be worked out. The new faces on the bench need to be uh, worked into the lineup. So, uh, again, as I look at the schedule, I see Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Milwaukee at Miami, um, San Antonio Spurs all coming at you uh, very, very quickly. Um, this team will be tested fast. And if all of a sudden the Celtics open the season two and five, there will be a lot of people wondering what the heck's going on here. And, and I, again, I think the fans are going to have to be patient. Uh, it's great to to feel the enthusiasm. You know, I, I play in a lot of charity golf outings and stuff over the course of the summer and everywhere I go people are like wow Mike this is great we get Haywood we got this we got that we're going to be so much better than we were last year and I, I keep coming back to the fact that they were in the final four of the NBA last year uh, so uh, I hope people are just patient out of the block because I, I think the schedule is difficult the first week and a half two weeks you see Milwaukee twice uh, and they are going to be good. Miami is going to be better. The Spurs are always the Spurs opening in Cleveland back-to-back uh, -back with Milwaukee the first two games. Um, again, fans are going to have to be patient early with this team. So my my, I, I love a lot of the people that they have added to this team. I, I think guys like Aaron Baines are going to surprise people with how good they are. Um, but, uh, again, I just hope fans are patient if the Celtics get off to a less than sterling start in, in, in terms of the standings. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing here on the other end. I actually think fan patience is the least of our concern when we have play-by-play <laughs> -play announcers who are as astute as you and who could use the three-ish hours who have the broadcast of themselves to uh, inform them of the reasons to be patient. I think they will be if you know if you do recall they have started out what was it two years ago they were like one and four or something like yeah. that I mean they have they yeah. haven't gotten off to roaring starts you know prior what was it they were what was their record something like last year like fourteen and thirteen mid December when yeah. they got yeah they were right around the five hundred mark yeah uh, and because you know and, and a lot of it does come down to as we we use the phrase here quite frequently Brad Stevens lineup experimentation I think no question mm -hmm. about it there. They're going to be doing that this year, but of course, in the spirit of this show being based around the release of the schedule, there is there is one back to back. Uh, There's only one in in October. There's as I look at the schedule, two in November. Five back to backs before the New Year's. There are there's ample opportunity for practice time. Yeah, there is there is good time there. Um, again, they, 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 you make sacrifices on some of these back to backs in terms of travel. Um, you might stay overnight the second night of a back to back if it's on the road. If you're off the next day and fly the next morning, um, so yeah, there is some serious juggling. I know they spend a lot of time w with the schedule, exactly figuring out when they want to fly, when they want to go places. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Brad's going to have time in the gym not only from the time camp officially opens, he's got a week until the first preseason game, and then with this new schedule, there'll be a lot more practices than there have been in uh, years past, which is good. Fan patience, I don't think, is too much of a concern. We have people like you here to take care of that. Great messengers. Brad Stevens' lineup experimentation is somewhat of a concern because we've seen that plenty now over the last five years. Can you believe it's been... No, I know. That's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, we're getting... Where I now say we are getting too old. It goes by too fast. 
What is your biggest concern out of all? I mean, you have really have not referenced the loss of Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. I guess no one does because everyone just operates under the assumption that they added Gordon Hayward, they're a better team. So I just threw that at you. What is the biggest concern going into the season? Well, I, I think a major concern is who takes Avery's, uh, who scores Avery's points and who takes Avery's role defensively. Obviously, Marcus seems to be the logical candidate for that. But um, I, I, I'm, you know, fans know this from, from listening to me over the years. Avery was my favorite player on the team in, in terms of uh, kids. I, I, I really had a nice relationship with Avery. I, I, I just really liked the kid as a kid, and I thought, I still think his best years are in front of him. I think he's an excellent player. He's as good a defensive stopper as you'll find in his position, and his offense got consistently better. So I think they will miss Avery more than um, the fans realize. I think that's it's gonna. If you can get a break even at Avery's position, that's a win for the Celtics going in. Um, I look at the roster. I think there are a lot of people. That I saw they guaranteed Shane Larkin's contract the other day, so they must have good things to think about him, um, a good reason to do something like that. Uh, Tatum certainly is going to demand minutes. Brown, off his summer league performance, is going to demand minutes. Um, again, I think Baines is going to be a bit of a surprise to people. He's a very good player. I had a chance when I did the Olympics, um, most recent Olympics, when we were broadcasting out of Stanford, Connecticut. But... Um, I, got, I did Australia, I think, four or five different games in, in the Olympics, and um, he's a good player. Baines is a very good player, especially when they feature him a little bit. He's tough. Uh, he can score. He defends, uh, and he's a presence out there. And his NBA experience is, is primarily with San Antonio, so you know playing for Pop, he, le- he learned how to play the game correctly. So I think Baines is going to be a, uh, somebody who demands minutes early. So, yeah, Brad, I mean, it's a nice – problem to have but you know brad's got to work in tatum um he's got to give brown the minutes that it appears he deserves um marcus morris i think uh I, again i wish we still had avery but marcus morris brings a toughness to this team that I, I think is is something that i won't say was lacking but they could use more of uh and he certainly brings it um Haywood, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Uh, how does Jay Crowder and Haywood, how does that whole position get resolved? Um, there are some question marks as you go down there. Is it, is he going to play early? Um, I think the kid can be a very good player long term. But um, my friend, friend Fran Fischella tells me that Zizic is a year away from being a year away. So um, we'll see how that works out. Uh, again, there are a lot of things that are going to be decided over the course of the first seven days in terms of how initially the minutes are divided up. Uh, and then again, you'll, with all the practice time that's available, guys will be able to show what they can do in practice. And um, Brad has always been the type of coach that if you play hard in practice, you're going to get some minutes. So um, how how you divide 48 is going to be very interesting. All right, so let's just skip all the politics altogether then, Mike. Where does it all lead to? What's it lead to? Yeah, I, I, I think it. I think it leads to a, a team that kind of finds its way the first maybe month or two of the season and comes into its own in February and March. And uh, come playoff time, is the team that we want them to be that goes in and threatens Cleveland. And and I think, depending upon how the whole Kyrie Irving thing shakes out, um, I, I think Cleveland could be vulnerable. Uh, especially if uh, LeBron starts to lose interest and start thinking about going to L.A. or wherever he thinks he wants to go next. Um, but that's all to be played out over the next two or three months. Um, he's still the best player in the league, in my mind, 
and um, is as long as he's playing hard, uh, I don't care who he's got around him, they're going to be in the game. Um, so, but that, but again, that's a long way off. We open the season against Cleveland. Um, let's hope we close Cleveland's season at the end of the year. Episode number 223 of Celtics Beat with play-by-play voice Mike Gorman is being presented today by Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper is made of supportive memory foams for a sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night as I know from personal experience. If you're looking for a soft and comfortable mattress and want to offer tremendous support to Celtics Beat and CLNS, go use our coupon code. $50 off any Casper mattress, which you can try free of charge for 100 days. That's $50 off any mattress with a full 100-day trial period by going to casper.com slash Celtic and using the promo code Celtic, C-E-L-T-I-C. That's Casper.com slash Celtic and promo code Celtic. You triggered something. I, I was thinking of getting at it, but I'm just like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, what do you make of the whole Kyrie Irving situation? I have deliberately ignored it because inevitably that is leading to, I mean, listen, there's plenty of other, I mean, just anyone that I talk to just says, hey, what do you think of these Kyrie Irving rumors of the Celtics? And I'm just like, what Kyrie Irving rumors to the Celtics? This yeah, comes right, flat right. out. I know it's it's a little. Bo- Does it bother you at all that, especially when you know how intelligent Celtics fans are? Does it bother you at all that the corporate media is kind of like drumming well, no, this up? No, it doesn't bother me at all, frankly. Um, I, I I like the fact that, that, that Danny has the open-door policy that he has, which is basically that he will talk about anything that is, is could potentially happen and, and has shown going yeah, but back to they're not talking his, about this, though. Pardon me? They're not talking. There's nothing there with with something like this. Even I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there's nothing there. I would say it's a long shot. Um, I mean, a real long shot. Uh, probably a ninety percent chance it's not going to happen. But I wouldn't say it's. Uh, I wouldn't say there's nothing there. Uh, that, that's what I mean. Danny is always open to talk, and 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 the Celtics still have a lot of what people want, which is young talent and draft picks. So, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't rent Kyrie Irving for a year, but. Um, if Kyrie Irving suddenly came out and said, you know, Boston's a destination I would like to be very interested in, I would like to see what it would take. Um, he's a terrific player. He's a terrific player. I guess he thinks the world is flat, but he's a terrific player. You corrected me on that. I was getting a little aggressive there. Uh, I, I'm not with you on, on 90%. I, I'm still in about 100% larger because I think that the Celtics seem uh, very committed to Isaiah Thomas, not just this year, but for a few years after that, of course. That's for a show for another day, but now I guess I can generally ask you. I mean, roughly, if you you know your 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 gut, where do you think this is going to lead with Cleveland? Yes, because I mean, it's this this part is very relevant. Cleveland is pretty much the only team in the Celtics' way of getting in the NBA Finals, at least in my eyes. I think they are substantially better than anyone else in the Eastern Conference. And if he can single-handedly sabotage what's going on in Cleveland, that does put Boston in the NBA Finals. I don't want to talk about the NBA Finals; that won't go over too well. Uh, but I guess I can just really... remember the Celtics. The Celtics have beaten Golden State the last two times they placed, faced them in their building. Uh, they also beat the Lakers twice in like 2002, and that NBA Finals would not have gone over too well. I I don't think that a Celtics Warriors NBA Finals would be too enticing for the casual NBA fan. Uh, but you don't think it would be? I don't think so. I think it'd be a sweep. You think Golden State would sweep the Celtics right now? It, yeah, 
It would be a sweep. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm so sorry. how do you explain the, the two wins of Boston and at Golden State? They played very like well. One, one of them ending the ending the longest home winning streak ever. That they played very well in that game two years ago. Jared Sollinger had a big game. Kelly Olynyk had big games in both those games. And last yep. year, Kevin Durant did not play in that game, Mike. And any and I hate to use the old cliche of anyone can beat anyone in the regular season, but Minnesota beat the Golden State the home game after the Celtics ended their winning mm-hmm. streak mm-hmm. Uh, last year. I mean, I hate to throw this, but Kevin Durant didn't play. I would I I would I want to say I'd feel safe. Uh, you know what? I will. I would say I'd feel pretty safe of. Um, Golden State sweeping this Celtics team in the NBA Finals. But nonetheless, I actually think the Celtics team will make the NBA Finals. I really do. I think they will beat Cleveland. But as you've been saying, a lot of that is predicated upon what, what happens with Cleveland. And well, the whole yeah, and, and I think it depends. It, it, it appears to me, and this is just somebody far off reading and occasionally talking to some people who are on, involved on the fringes, uh, that something's going to happen with Irving. He's not going to play the whole season in Cleveland. He's going to be gone. Well, what they get for him is the key. Well, you're 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 actually saying that uh, from from what you've been hearing, Kyrie Irving will not play in Cleveland for the for the for at that the would back be my, end of the my, season. That would be my if you ask. Well, you talk about putting percentages on things. I would say it's it's more than a fifty fifty chance. It's probably sixty forty. He won't be there. Wow. And then you were just talking about how you were a little concerned how the Celtics have a somewhat remade team and how that, you know, they're going to need time to, to get that worked out, let alone if Cleveland actually makes a, 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 a I mean, that's a blockbuster, game-changing move. They would have to work something in entirely midseason uh, for that team to go to the NBA Finals. Then the mentality, uh, the whole psyche on Cleveland's end after that is going to be that, hey, this is, uh, I mean, the sand is about ready to fall in the hourglass of this team. That's almost like the Browns moving to Baltimore in '95. They just gave <laughs> up, right? I mean, they, they'll, they'll, that you know what? It goes completely back to 2010 when when they went two two with the Celtics. It was okay. LeBron is leaving after this, and they didn't play well the remainder of the series. Wouldn't it be identical to that? Yeah. Well. I, uh... If, if they de- if they decide they being the front office in Cleveland and the ownership in Cleveland they decide that 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 LeBron is seriously thinking about being gone which I believe he has that, that option after this year um, and that he wants to finish his career in Los Angeles uh, which some people say he does um, I don't know whether they know what they're talking about but some people say that then if you're Cleveland you could conceivably end up doing a, house, a bit of a house cleaning and trying to get draft picks try to go forward. And and who's got the best stash of draft picks, Boston? I'm at, I'm I'm at a little bit of a, wa- a loss for words. I really am. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. You know that actually even goes back to I. You know we're using the, the, the 2010 throwback, and we've been throwing it back a little bit here on this show recently. Is the argument back then was well, not back then, but there were some little you know thrown out there in that summer of 2010 after he left for Miami. It was hey, why didn't they trade LeBron? back you know then when they thought that there was a chance that he could leave they at least could have got something and he just simply mm-hmm. say listen they were a 60 plus win team at the bare minimum you take a shot with LeBron and hey if you win the championship and then he does leave it or whatever mm-hmm. now I mean I, I wonder if now I know there's completely different people in the Cleveland front office um, then and now and of course they have that front office issue in their own right mm-hmm. I wonder if th- there could be or at least Dan Gilbert he's still around just th- even the smallest of mindset of 
yeah, let's not make the same mistake that we made in 2010 as we could now, particularly I would like to think now with the whole Golden State conundrum in everyone's way. Golden State wiped them out in the NBA Finals. That they could, I don't know, like I said, I'm literally, I mean, what you've been telling me, I don't want to say is stunning me. It's just throwing me off course a little bit. Theoretically, they could say to themselves something like, yeah, we will kind of white flag this a well, little bit. Let me ask you, what do you, what do, you do if the Kyrie Irving situation is untenable in Cleveland um, and, and, and you have to move him? Um, do you still feel that with with Kevin Love and, and, and Derek Rose um, and LeBron that you can win a championship? <laughs> I, you I, I was ready to laugh at Derrick Rose. Um, I was – Jesus, man, if I was Cleveland, it would – I want to say – I would do this right away. You'd have to literally, legitimately think about it. But, boy, would not it cross your mind to Wayne Gretzky LeBron, right? I mean, like – and, and the reference of that is, you know, the Kings thought they would lose Wayne Gretzky when he was a free agent. So they sent him to St. Louis, and then he played like – no one remembers this. He played like a month and a half of the St. Louis Blues before he finished his career in New York. But God, yeah, wouldn't it cross your mind? Like, if this Kyrie Irving situation really does, is this now if it is as bad as the media is is is, is saying it is to be? But if I guess if it does get as bad as it is, and that does really affect the psyche of the team, I think you would even have to consider some doomsday scenario with LeBron. Yeah. Oh well. Well, we're going to see. It's going to play itself out, and it, I think it's going to play itself out soon, more sooner than later, because I think they want to. They're either going to get some sort of commitment from from Kyrie that uh, we'll talk about things after the season's over, and then the Cavs are very much a threat again. I mean, we're talking about an exceptional offensive player. I mean, when you talk about offensive guards in this league, you don't get very far down the list before Kyrie's there. We hope it plays out in the worst way possible. The, The comparison that I used was, I don't know if you remember this, but the whole Kobe Shaq thing back in 2001, they, they yeah. fought all year. And then yeah, they did. literally right before the playoffs, they said, eh, screw it. They got back together and they just rolled right through the playoffs. They were able to get a few more years after that, but they hated each other back then. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I'm not in on the whole Kyrie LeBron thing. I'm not there. I listened to Dave McMenamin on Coach Nick's show uh, last week on CLNS when he said that he went days between talking to teammates. I would, I would love to talk to Dave. I'll, I'll get him. That cues me to get him back on this show. But I do wonder if it's it's bad as it was with Kobe and Shaq in 2001. But they they did straighten they did straighten it out. They actually I hate to say this, but they straightened it out against the Celtics when Derek Fisher came back that night when Pierce dropped 40. That was the whole uh, Paul Pierce the truth game. But right after that, they started rolling. I mean, it's you you'd be amazed at what being able to play basketball does. But but like I said. Uh, and I know you're going to agree with this entirely. We hope that it plays out in the worst possible manner possible. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Before we let you go, I got to throw something at you that has very little to do with the conversation. I got. I did a show last week on the 10-year anniversary of the 2018. You have some awesome 2008 stories. Not sure if you want to share. I do remember. Do you remember? You want to talk about that time when Danny was on the golf course with you just prior to the Garnett trade? And asking me what I would do. And asking you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Share, please. Yeah, and, uh, well, not that I was going to have any influence at all on, on the decision, but, uh, you know, Danny presented me the idea of getting Kevin Garnett, and it was going to cost us Al Jefferson and a group of other people. And my reply at the time was, like, I would never do that deal. Isn't it amazing, um, too, though? Like, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, finish what you have to say. 
No, that's it. Uh, and I remember Danny looking at me and saying, thanks, I appreciate the input, and then very quickly going out and doing the opposite of what I suggested, um, which is why I'm on TV and Danny's in the front office. Isn't it amazing, though, that Danny, like the people who Danny asks, I mean, he goes right to the bottom of the barrel of society, not television people like yourself. You are not bottom of the barrel. But he will go <laughs> yeah, like and saying, wow, ask everybody ask everybody for their opinion on any personnel move as it, per- as it pertains to the Celtics. Well, again, I, I, you know, I think a big key to Danny's success is that he's wide open. You know, uh, the, the um, a lot of guys around the NBA, especially a lot of general managers around the NBA, to just play everything really close to the best. They don't want to have any dis- hypothetical discussions with you. They don't want to talk about anything at all. Danny's wide open. You, you want to talk about potential trades with Danny? Yeah, he he'll say, what do you got? Much, and then he'll tell you amazing. why it will work or it won't work. But um, I, I really love Danny for, for that. I mean, he's he's been as open with me as any general manager that I've dealt with. Uh, I say general manager, head of basketball operations. Um in the time that I've been here. And I think that, I think that is a great part of what makes him good is that he has very specific ideas as to what he's going to do, but he's willing to listen to what other people think. And I think if other people make strong enough points, he's, he's, he'll work it into his decision. He, again, he's open and that's, that's a key to his success. Very open. He shares it with not just, you know, everybody. If you talk to him personally as pretty much anyone does. I mean, he like, he will talk to legitimately anybody and he'll, he'll say it in the media, as we know. There are times, I know me and you have had this conversation privately, where we've said, like, geez, did he really need to say that on air? Did he really need to go on record saying that? But uh, there's one other thing I want to get to as it you know, pertains to last week's show was that we got so much feedback when both me and Mr. Gelso said that the playoff run in 2010 was more enjoyable than the 2008 championship. And I actually used the reasons for... Uh, pretty much just as it, as it really came to how I enjoyed it personally because I was very involved in 2010 uh, in dealing with the personalities that it was, say, in 2008 when, you know, I was, when I was just, you know, basically I attended all the games. I was up in the stands, whereas, you know, 2010 I was you know, seeing those guys and, you know, plenty of, you know, people who were doing the games like Brent Barry, for instance. So I spent a lot of time with him during the NBA Finals. And there was also the whole thing with 2010 was – I never saw that coming. That regular season was so bad, and it was just – I stayed in the present moment. It was just a game-by-game basis, and that it enabled me mm-hmm. to enjoy it more. Whereas in 2008, it was just this team has to win the championship or it's a complete bust of a season where, you know, in 2010. So I'll ask you that. Am I way off base for saying that the playoff run in 2010 was more enjoyable than the 2008 championship? And that is not demeaning 2008. I cried after they won the championship. I'm just – I need a defend. I need someone to back up my defense to all the feedback that we got for what I said about 2010 last week. And Nick, yeah, I, you know, I, this may seem like a stretch, but what I would compare that to is when I used to just do the Celtic home games, and when I started to do all the Celtic games, everything everything was different. My connection with the Larry Bird teams was was very minimal. I would come into the games, I would sit up in the stands, as as you said in the 2008, you did. Um, I was calling the games, but I never went near the locker room. I never did interviews. I never was on planes, buses, trains, whatever with the guys. So it was a very different experience. So for me, the 2008 championship was 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 the highlight of of my broadcasting career, uh, career for me for a kid from Dorchester to be part of that to be part of a parade to be able to wave to people and have them wave back and yell out your name um, to be and to again feel like I'm part I have a ring uh, to be part of it is is the whole thing so I'm not surprised in 2010 
that, that you felt this was, was much more because, again, you had contact with these guys. You were involved. There was a personal touch there, whereas 2008 was more from a distance. For me, it was just the opposite. 2008 was the first real championship run that I felt like I was a part of. The, the, the championships the Celtics won in the 80s when I was in my first six, seven years as a broadcaster with the Celtics, I didn't really feel like I was part of. I, I can remember watching them win the championship on TV, not even being at the game. Um, so uh, I understand what you're saying, but I think it's it's the personal touch that makes the difference. And um, 2008 will always be very special for me. That was the best year of basketball I was ever involved in. I would love to say I want to finish on that, but I have to finish on this. You play the <laughs> you play the op. That was a great way to finish. That is like a capper, hit the music and everything. But this goes back to the now to the off season. You play an optimist on TV. Remember Celtics over Cavs in 2015, the four sure. wins, Celtics in six. Well, that was just because I was pissed off that they were being disrespected. I, I mean, right? That wasn't your you and I both know that, 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 was, that, that oh, I didn't I think they could beat the Cavs, but I wasn't going to. I was tired of people just dismissing this team that had played so hard to get to where they got to. So I figured, well, here's a way to shake things up. I'll pick the I'll pick Boston in six. That was like a little WWF Mike Gorman. This is <laughs> the, like that the character Mike Gorman, you know. The, the real Mike Gorman, give me just sort of, we've talked about, you know, what you think of this year. I know you hate predictions, but, you know, let's just pretend I'm putting an abstract gun in your head. What's going to happen this year, Mr. Gorman? I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a, a really fun season to watch this all come together. I think um, it, it's going to take a while for people to get used to no Avery Bradley out there and, and, and who's going to take his place and how, uh, how's Haywood going to mix in and how are these new kids going to mix in and how good are these new kids. Um, so I think all that's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, again, barring some major injury along the line, I would think the Celtics are right there against Cleveland uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals again. And um, I, I think it may be a tougher road for both Cleveland and Boston because I think a lot of teams behind Milwaukee being one, I think they're getting a whole lot better quickly. Um, but that said, I would say Eastern Conference Finals and Again, who's the favorite in the Eastern Conference Finals will depend a lot on what's the situation in Cleveland. Is Kyrie Irving out there representing the Cavs, or is he long gone? Uh, what has happened there? If, if, if they think they're going to substitute Derrick Rose for uh, Kyrie Irving, then the Celtics are going to the NBA Finals. Episode number 223 of Celtics Beat was presented by Casper Mattresses and Audible. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. With an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, you'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com slash Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Grateau. For graphic designer Scott Dillon, CLNS founder Nick Gelso, this is Larry A. Trussell, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Media. 